The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. I don't think so. I think they're still on the, I'll pull this up, this, this particular list, but I think they're definitely running for Urza Saga. I'm definitely wrong. They got Urza Saga. <laughs> <laughs> Would be a shame if after blockers, I cast my hammer and equipped it for free. Thanks, Sagarda. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We are proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Uh, not too bad. Still playing Diablo 2. There's a bunch of server issues, so I kind of lost some time to play today. I yeah. beat Hell on Sorceress, and I'm grinding the Ancient Tunnels and uh, Pendleskin, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. Got a Blizzard Sorceress, and I'm just wrecking stuff. It's fun. Didn't get to grind for eight hours straight today, huh? No, I only got to grind for like two hours, and then like I had to do stuff, mow the lawn and clean the house. Get to enjoy your new furniture. Yeah. Matt's been having a real struggle the last six months with the global furniture shortage. Yeah, it turns out if you lock everyone in their house, uh, they stop making furniture. Yep. And, and a lot of people buy furniture yep. because they are tired of sitting <laughs> on their furniture. Perfect storm of me not having a couch. Yeah. <laughs> took six months to get the furniture yep. for my basement. Matt recently bought his first house. Yep, moved into a, a beautiful new home that is our recording studio, and for the first six to eight months of his brand new home, had no furniture or some used hand-me-down furniture. Yeah. Even though the day you bought this house, basically, you paid money for furniture, Yep, and it just never got delivered. Yeah, it's just been, hey, can you hold on to my several thousand dollars <laughs> and maybe give me some furniture this year? Sure. Yep. And the funny <laughs> thing is, is they we ordered it in April, and they're like, by the middle of May, you'll have mm-hmm. it. And then they were like, no, nah, it's probably going to be till June. Then it turned into, you'll get your furniture when you get your furniture. Yeah. And it's just we're like, keeping well, the money. it's October. <laughs> <laughs> it's been six months. Matt and... has a, a wonderful television he bought. He's been saving for a house forever. And so he has this amazing, very expensive TV that he's basically sitting on egg crates to watch in yes. his basement. <laughs> yep. I basically, I just roll my computer chair over mm-hmm. in front of it if I want to play on my yep. PlayStation or something. Yeah, it's hilarious. So now he's got a lot of his new furniture in. It's the house is really, house was obviously well decorated, but just a lot of the yep. rest of it's kind of coming into its own. Doesn't matter what's on the walls if there's uh, no seat. There's nowhere to sit. <laughs> yeah. This isn't a living room. This is a, like a museum where you take tours. Yes. Hey, look, there's a TV you'll someday <laughs> get to watch. <laughs> But by then it'll be out of date. You have to get a new one. Well, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it has been six months since time I to replace. It. Yeah. Time to buy a new house. For me, nothing crazy's happened. I think this week I played a little bit of Call of Duty. I started playing Dark Souls again. Dark Souls is one of my favorite games. I never played any of the Souls games until I played Dark Souls three, and I didn't even enjoy Dark Souls three until I played it like the third time. I picked up Dark Souls three twice, played it for like ten minutes, and was like, "Fuck this." Yep. And set it down. Rage quit. I'm out. And the third time it stuck. For some reason, I played, I'm not like one of the guys on the internet that has a thousand hours in it. By any means, I'm not great, but I've played the main, the, the story like five or six times, played all the DLC three or four times. And so just for funsies, made a new character and started rolling through it again. Other than that, I played a little bit of chess. I, I basically like won two games, lost three games, went the same place. Nothing crazy happened with me. I've been playing a little bit more Magic, trying to get prepped for our tournament coming up. We've got a whole section on that today. Doing a lot more thinking of like mainboard sideboarding choices and whatnot that I'm excited to talk to the fans about. But I think let's just move into our legacy segment today. So, Matt, how did our legacy challenges do? Well, the Saturday one didn't occur again for the what? fourth week in a row. Are you um, saying we've missed four legacy challenges in four weeks? Yes. That's 
100% true. I don't know, Matt. This is a great legacy format. No reason to be upset about this at all. Now, I can't say anything. I did not sign up for the Saturday challenge, but I think I'm yeah, kind of... you're a part of the problem. Well, I think we're... We're part of the solution, <laughs> dude. So <laughs> again, opinion. I'm gonna jump forward a little bit. We 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 spent several hours the other night testing. Uh, I basically built a brand new deck for this tournament coming up, and we were testing it. And this is the first time we played against paper, playing paper against these cards. And we played like four games, and Matt was like, "Dude, I'm fucking done playing Legacy after this tournament <laughs> for a little bit." <laughs> right? Yeah. So so yeah, you're right. We didn't sign up for the uh, challenges because I don't want to play this Legacy that yeah, much I, either. After after the other night, like, just I'm not gonna lie, I'm not. I really want to play Legacy. I just really want to play it probably in like two months. Well, if you're similar to me, I want to play high-level competitive Magic. Legacy was always that itch. And right now, Legacy just isn't that much fun to play. It's not scratching that itch like it needs to. Yeah. Modern is for me. And even Historic on Arena is kind of scratching that itch. Historic's in, a, I think, a, kind of a fun place, especially if you don't mind playing against control decks four out of five matches. Yeah. But the Legacy was there to scratch my high-stakes, difficult competitive magic thing with me with legacy is just i usually go to formats where i can play a deck i want to play yeah and hope for the format to be like a decent spot for it i love playing legacy elves i'm relatively lucky in that the current problematic cards and legacy not that my deck doesn't care about them but can ignore them to a large degree like mm -hmm. i'm not sitting here trying to trade with these guys i'm just trying to go over top for 50 damage with crater hoof or whatever yep. so i i get to dodge it a, a little bit but there's just these cards are just they're quite frankly not fun to play against. And they're not they're not fun to play against in the same way that Legacy normally is, where it's a mm -hmm. back and forth and like you're trying to eke out small advantages and whatnot. And this is just like, well, I'm gonna pay two mana for an eight eight flyer. What are you gonna do on your turn? Yeah. In a shocking turn of events, Saturdays didn't challenge or Saturday's challenge didn't fire because most people turns out they just don't want to play in this format. Yep. Sunday did. I didn't hear any uh, rumblings or issues like there was last week where it didn't almost yeah, didn't it wasn't fire. Close to not firing this time. So it looks like they had at least, you know, the minimum, obviously. Mm -hmm. So now that we've officially gotten distracted before we start the top eight, instead of getting distracted in the top eight. Yep. Maybe we, we can just skip ahead from the middle distraction that normally <laughs> yeah. is right there. I won't say anything the whole time. Go. <laughs> yep. All right. So coming in first, uh, Bryant Cook, Jake and I are both big fans of him. He's the storm guy. Probably one of the best legacy players in the world. Really excited to see him take home first. Like, I'm always rooting for him. He's a better Magic player than I could ever hope to be. And yep. he's playing one of the more difficult decks in legacy and probably one of the more difficult decks in Magic in general. Yep. Uh, he's playing Five Color Storm. In my opinion, it seems to be relatively well positioned if yeah. you know how to play it. And he clearly does. He's had success over well, several of the past challenges. Brian is a perfect example of mastering your deck is more important than playing the meta sometimes. Yeah. He's played Storm you, through bad metas, right. and he does good because yep. he he is a master of Storm. And the the thing I love about Brian Cook is he's such a Storm guy. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna make cycling Storm work in Popper, and he wins those challenges mm -hmm. too. And it's just it's super exciting to see somebody who's very committed to a deck. I am not Brian Cook, but right. that's that's the way I feel about Elves, where it's like whatever format we're in, that's how I play Magic. Yeah. Like I play Popper. Guess what? I play Elves. Yep. I play Legacy. I play Elves. I play Modern. I play elves. Yep. Matt's, like, Matt's an elves ride or die kind of guy. Right. So I know that feeling and that like passion to play a deck. And it's just, it makes magic that much more fun. I'm a blue soup player. Right. Luckily, blue soup's also usually one of the best decks. Yeah. It's just like, I just like playing good cards. That's my tribal. Yep. <laughs> Turns out Brainstorm is good in almost any meta. Yeah. And the, I mean, that's been proven over and over again. Yep. 
about the only one where Brainstorm, in my opinion, isn't broken is Popper. Like, yeah, because you can't. Fe- you, it's you harder just, to fetch. Yeah, you just don't have the shuffle effects to really <laughs> bring it home. You have some with Ash yeah. Barons and uh, like Paramorphic Expanse, but most of the time those are worse cards. We're mm-hmm. right back in the middle of the distraction again. Yep, <laughs> we got through one. Yep, deck. Who came in second place? Yeah. So, uh, second place shouldn't come as any surprise. Is it Delver? Looks like it's a pretty standard list. Gotcha. Uh, third place we've got Cascade. So it's Crashing Footfalls Cascade. That's a pretty. So that's. Have we seen them recently? I feel like we've seen Cascade semi recently. Yeah, every now and then it'll be in like the top thirty-two, but it's it's been a few weeks since it broke the top eight. So mm-hmm. pretty much running the same cards. Nothing like super exciting about it, but except for the fact that it's in and of itself, like there's yeah. nothing. Particular it's exciting about to it. see Cascade, yeah. but the particular brew is kind of a stock list. Yeah, absolutely. So fourth, we've got uh, another blue red deck. It's kind of hard to quantify this deck. It's a rug deck with. Urza's Sagas, Uro, Dragon Rage Channeler, Elvish Reclaimer, Ragavan, Murktide Regent, <laughs> Life from the Loam, and one Caracas. <laughs> so, like, just this everything. deck is just, this guy is going to show up and he's going to play the best cards in the form. Yeah, this is just good stuff, pile.deck. Yes. It shouldn't come as any surprise to anybody that it did well. I mean, Man. it's playing the very, it's playing the four broken cards that yep. you know everyone's having a problem with it's a unique blend it amazes me to see ragavand and drc next to uro yep because like those cards don't belong in the same deck that's just such a such restrictive mana costs between them right well and on top of that i mean uro's just trying to play a different game yeah like he's he wants to be grindy he's i mean he's it's an explore uh-huh well, with, it's, it's growth spiral right that's just such a weak yeah again such a weak mana base. I was playing Life of the Loam probably for a reason. Such an incredibly weak mana base when I just decks are, I decks should come stock with two to four wastelands these days. Yep. They saw the good ones like Blue Red Delver. Yeah. So, uh, fifth place, we've got uh, Red Prison. Looks like a pretty standard list. Cool. Uh, sixth, we've got Lands. Uh, then we've got Jeskai Tempo. Same stuff we've been seeing. It looks, I mean, it's pretty similar to the deck you're going to be playing, Jake. Gotcha. Uh, slightly different, so we can talk about that later. That de- that list will look very familiar to gotcha. you. Gotcha. I'll take a peek at it. In eighth place, we've got Azorius Carnecos. So mm. pull up that red prison list. I want to see. We were talking earlier about the relatively poor place of Chalice in the meta. Are they running the full four of Chalice? Are they yep. still trying to turn one Chalice? Yeah, it's still turn one Chalice. Gotcha. I just I just think that's a wrong place to be. It worked for them, so I'm obviously wrong in that regard. But I think it's the wrong place to be in Legacy when everyone's running. Three to four prismatic endings. Obviously, I wasn't watching the play-by-plays here. I don't know what his matchups were, but there's plenty of white to go around in the top 16. Mm-hmm. And If you're running white, why are you not running prismatic ending? Yeah. Again, so, this whole thing we talked about, there are these cards that if you're not running it, you're probably wrong. And if you're not running prismatic ending and you're white, you're probably wrong. Correct. Which, yay card design. Got good matchups. He knows what he's doing. He's playing well. Happy to see it. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the absence or... Relative weakness of Red Prison is probably not only a symptom, but certainly a symptom of the newer cards, but is also exacerbating the issue. It's kind of this vicious circle mm-hmm. where we talked, Jake and I were talking about this, where Prismatic Ending is keeping Chalice down. Chalice is the kind of deck that keeps, at least helps keep the Blue Soup decks, the, yep. the Xerox decks down. These these tempo style decks that are made, to, are made to run on one to two mana. And then that just kind of feeds into itself. So it was nice to see. You know, Red Prison's done fairly well over the past couple of weeks as far as having like one or two in the top 16 or top yep. eight. Given how solidified the meta has become, you'd think 
at least in the absence of prismatic ending, it would be there. And that's kind of like it would be kind of a force to be reckoned with in the meta. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that's kind of what Jake and I are looking at with prismatic ending, where it's negatively affecting the format by keeping out one of the formats police. Yep, exactly. It's that we talked about how complicated these meta games are and how you can't always just go in and ban a couple cards because you don't know what the ramifications are in the same way that you maybe didn't realize that printing a great white removal spell is what makes a blue red deck possibly the best deck in magic. Or, I mean, technically I think the best deck in magic is Jeskai. Yeah. Hint, hint, I'm playing Jeskai on Saturday or Sunday. Yep. It's Sunday, but you know, who would have thought yeah. I, it just didn't hit me right away that this great removal piece is it just, it trashes chalice. And now the deck that chalice is held in place runs rampant. That's an argument I was talking about when we were talking about banning Oko, where Oko and several other cards in that era were making Chalice irrelevant. And it was yep. artificially elevating Delver's position in the meta. And we were, we lost Oko and then we just replaced it with Prismatic Ending. And so Chalice mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, it had its weak in the sun. Yeah. And then just right back. Chalice still has its weak in its sun in modern. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're seeing... You're seeing two to four. You're sometimes seeing main deck chalices in modern now. Well, that's Cascade for you. Yeah. But it's day in the sun in Legacy is well in the past right now. Right. What's our, uh, what are our summaries? Give us our best decks, or at least our most succeeding decks. Yep. And let's run through the top cards. So the most individual common deck was uh, Blue Red Delver. Again, that shouldn't come in as any surprise. Mm -hmm. Next, you've got Miracles, Doomsday, and then Storm. I'm going to look at something here. I pulled the lists up this week just for funsies. Let's see how many cards with Miracle, Miracles is running. Would you like to take a guess how many decks or how many Miracle cards there are in the Miracle deck? Uh, zero or one. One. Yeah. We Maybe have, a Terminus. We have one Terminus. Yeah. I'm going to double check to make sure I'm not totally stupid. We have one Terminus in the Miracles decks. Yeah. So, oh. guys, that this is a four-color control list. Yep, they're three or four-color control lists. They're using many of the same cards as either Jeskai Tempo or Blue Red Delver. Um, I mean, half of we're, I mean, we're into this. So the most played cards, uh, again, shouldn't come as any surprise to our regular listeners here. Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Days. Yep. That's the top four. Then you've got Lotus Petal, Indicating Storm, Pyroblast, trying to fight the blue decks, mm-hmm. Expressive Iteration, a card we've mentioned a few times. Uh, very powerful card, deceptively powerful. Incredibly. I mean, it deceived me. Yeah. And then uh, 8th, ninth, and 10th, Ragavan, DRC, Merktide. Yep. Basically the top three creatures. Yep. So top three creatures, same thing. Fourth, Simeon Spirit Guide, kind of owing to the Red Prison slash uh, Cascade. Yep. That's what I was thinking of. Cascade Coffin coming in. in. Red Prison has probably always been there. We're starting to see more Cascade decks, and Simeon Spirit Guide is a wonderful Cascade card because yep. it gives you one good turn of acceleration to right. Violent Outburst. Or and what's you're it called? More than happy to pitch a card to get a two four fours a turn earlier. What's the cascading creature called? Because I can't remember. <laughs> Shardless agent. Yeah, Shardless agent. There we go. Uh, then you got endurance rounding out the top five. So yep. just a wonderful again, double got, killer. One of yep. the best. One of the best things to be playing against the graveyard heavy decks like blue red delver, like Jeskai Ragavan control. It does a lot of or work. Tempo. It's Not a tempo only deck. does it block these some of these cards for days, it also attacks their graveyard. Uh-huh. Pretty weak if you're sitting across from a Merktide Regent, but I mean, yeah. no card's gonna. It'll do the it idea all. is you're supposed to get that out there before they get Merktide. Right. Matt. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> top spells like this is pretty much just the same spells as the uh, top late cards. Mm-hmm. Force will pondered or force will brainstorm pondered days. Yep. Pedal pyroblast. And once again, and we're, you know, force of will brainstorm and ponder. These are all supporting well over. I should say well over over fifty percent meta shares in the top thirty-two. Yep. Again, 
those are probably bannable play rates for any other card on this list. If a, just because a card's been there forever, maybe doesn't mean it should own the format. Maybe not all of them. Yeah, and well, and that's what we talked about last week is what we think the format should look like, and yep. everybody's going to have a different opinion on that. But if you think the format should be dominated by blue decks, then, mm-hmm. I mean, you're in the right place. That's true. If you think color should be a little more balanced. Now, the color argument doesn't hold... It's not a totally complete argument because colors can support different archetypes, and that's the, that's the argument people make for these cantrips, right? Mm-hmm. As they go in, combo control... Aggro yeah. decks, so like they're not supporting. Yes, it's supporting a color, but they're also supporting different play styles. That's true. Not that that's not true. I don't think that's a sufficient argument. Yeah, and we agree on this. But you know, the idea is that they shouldn't. Maybe they shouldn't all be sacred cows. Right. We could probably reduce the number of amazing cantrips. Right. And the format is still probably in a decent place, but maybe a little more fair. Right. Who knows? And then maybe you. So this is one thing that I have heard a lot, and I do. I agree with the sentiment. One of the things that's frustrating, one of the things that's frustrating as a non-blue player is if you look down the list of cards that are banned, almost none of them are blue. Blue is dominating the the meta share, the top decks that are always getting cards banned are blue. And so once again, we've circled back around to needing to ban non-blue cards mm-hmm. because of the effect of blue cards. Yep. Well, it's not even just blue cards, it's the cantrips almost always. Right. It's the cantrip shells. Correct. That allow these incredibly powerful other cards to be too consistent. The the biggest one I heard, I'm sure this was just a huge blow to morale, was lands players losing Ren and Six. Where it was just like, this card is fine in lands and in loam and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But because it's so efficient and so powerful in combination with like Delver and Wasteland, mm-hmm. that it just needs to go. And that's the thing. If you want these Xerox decks in the format, then that's the answer. You have you can't have one or the other, and that's the that's the problem. You can't have both. You can have one or the other. Mm-hmm. You can have hyper efficient Xerox decks, or you can have hyper efficient threats. But if you have them both at the same time, you end yep. up where we're at now. Yeah, relatively unfun formats. So that's all I got for Legacy at the moment. Gotcha. Pop over to Modern once again. We had two challenges fire. Jealous. So we'll <laughs> s- <laughs> starting on Saturday, blue white control came in first. Cool to see control. I, we were just talking about this, and we'll continue our trend of breaking off as soon as we start a top eight. Yep. Blue-white X or blue-white control is probably one of the more powerful archetypes in modern right now. It is really common. It's very prevalent. It's been very prevalent. And just watching the decks get played, obviously there's a lot of there's a ton of decks you can do good in. I think personally, the blue-white shells I'm seeing are some of the most powerful. Mm-hmm. And especially considering that blue-white has been added to a lot of decks. Not just these aren't control decks necessarily, but for faithless or faithful mending, mm-hmm. is really up the power of blue and white and even non-control decks. So, so possibly one of the best color combinations to be playing right now in modern. Interesting thing about that is if you look at this, clearly control decks can be good decks without having 12 cantrips in them. Yes. Yep, they can. It's absolutely possible to play a control deck well, against a myriad of very powerful decks. I mean, they're going to run some for consistency. We got usually Serum Visions. Our Major Charm is borderline a cantrip. But still, that's that costs three. That's you true. got Serum Visions is not even close to any of Ponder nope, Preordained Brainstorm. Close. You don't even get to look at the card. You get to draw a random card and then scry two. whoop de doo mm-hmm. Like the power level of these, they run them because they need to be efficient and they need to have some ability to dig. Clearly, we don't have to have Brainstorm, Ponder, and Preordain for Control to be playable. Yep. And I know the argument there is, well, you know, the threats in Legacy are that much stronger. Well, A, 
the threats in Legacy and Modern are actually very similar now because of the most recent printings. Very true. And B, if you got rid of these cantrips, the most powerful combo decks are blue decks. So you don't have to worry about stopping Storm or Show and Tell as quickly if they don't have 12 cantrips in the yeah. deck. They don't, they don't find it as quickly usually because you, we'll always have games where someone gets the nut draw. Barring that, which happens one in 30 draws, it's not going to happen. It, the right. cantrips are what bridge that gap. Correct. And less efficient cantrips will just bring those numbers down. If you enjoy playing a turn one format, which I'm sure some people do, probably the people that have foiled out show and tell, that is a direct hit for you for sure. Oh, absolutely. I, I put a post on, I think, Facebook one day talking about our opinion that I think maybe Ponder could go. And the guy's comment was a very polite comment, but was like, but what about my like my OG foil ponders I paid a bunch of money for? And it's like, yeah, that's rough because that's a very invested player in ponder. And, well, and that's why we always talk about this stuff where it's like you can't just ban cards for no reason mm -hmm. because somebody really loves that card. Some Someone's losing a lot of money, yep. especially in Legacy. And even if they're not losing money, if you ban, like when I... I lost Deathrite Shaman. I still went around and played. I still kept playing Elves. Mm -hmm. I didn't lose a ton of money on my Deathrite Shamans, although I do have six sitting in a binder. <laughs> it wasn't so much a financial hit, but it was like, it sucks losing a card from your deck. It does. It really does. It so really that does. should only happen in situations where people just don't want to play the format anymore. Yep. I had an entire deck banned in Legacy that yep. I was I was building. I was building Snoko Control, and I had kind of come to terms with the fact that Oka was going to be banned, and I was totally cool with that. Because I want to build, I wanted to build four color snow control, and they banned astrolabe, and I was like, "Yeah, he was pretty sad salty. face." Yep, and justifiably so. Yeah, I was like, pretty even if about you that. think astrolabe should go, it still sucks to lose a card. It, it sucks to lose your deck. Yep. So it hurts somebody, and that's why you know I try to come at it with a very light touch because someone loves Ragavan. Someone has really expensive, really nice Ragavans that they really like, and they may lose those, and that sucks. I never want someone to lose something. Yep. Someone's going to have to, but I don't want it to happen. Right. You know the way you fix that? Don't print them in the first is place. You stop printing them. Second place, Hammer Time. Pretty common deck. We see that all the time. To be a little bit of a teaser, Hammer Time was the most common deck in the top 32. Over 20% of the meta. Nice. People love Colossus Hammer. I think it's just exciting to drop a 10 10 on turn two. That's just, that yep. sounds like my kind of magic. Not yep. going to lie. Uh, third place, probably one of the better counters to these blue white control decks, is going to be Boros Burn. Fourth place, Hammer Time, earning its meta share. And then fifth place, Boros Burn again. Yep. Both these decks, I think, have a decent pair or matchup against Blue White Control. Makes sense to see them both flush in the top five or top four. Sixth place, Amulet Titan, still here. Still still tutoring out, you know, crazy powerful lands. Yep, one in the, the top eight. The funny thing is it kind of speaks to the power of those cards that, like, the power level just got dialed to 11 in mm -hmm. Modern. And Primetime's still like, yep, yeah, what's up? <laughs> like I'm still still here. still here, guys. Even though it got basically nothing, right? Which also kind of shows if you look at that, Wizards had a, a design philosophy and that they came in to help underperforming decks. Things like Aim of Titan didn't get anything out of Modern Horizons, yep. realistically. Yeah. Did so, are they playing Urza Saga? I don't think so. I think they're still on the. I'll pull the list up this, this particular list, but I think they're definitely running for Urza Saga. I'm definitely wrong. They got Urza Saga. <laughs> When you said that, I thought I've, I've perused these, but I never looked that close. I thought there's yeah. no way that deck, because there's it can't afford to miss land drops. Yep. We're trying to ramp out a six. There's no way that deck is going to take a chance of losing. Urzazak is good enough. A You're land just like, that whatever. goes away later. And they want to play, you know, uh, Amulet of Vigor and then start getting bounce lands that untap a bunch, or just play Urza Saga and make a bunch of Karnstrucks. Yep. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Seventh place is our. It's just it's it's just four color elemental tribal Oop. flicker tribal. Yep. It's a wonderful deck. 
the deck that we were shocked to see initially is just a phenomenal, phenomenal deck. The, I did see this list, in my opinion, had a relatively interesting pickup. Well, we do have the stock, you know, four Omnath, four Solitude, four Witness, uh, Ephemerates, Abundant Harvest. This one actually dropped down to two Fury. And with those two slots, it bought two Time Warps. Hmm. So there is a pseudo, enough mana, infinite turn loop in the game or in the deck where we can, you know, uh, Eternal Witness to get our Time Warp back and then flicker the Eternal Witness with Ephemerate, get the Time Warp on the rebound when you flicker the Eternal Witness and your Ephemerate goes to the graveyard, you can get Ephemerate. So, you know, for seven, eight mana, you got infinite turns. Yep. Pretty cool. I thought it was a cool pickup. And, uh, you know, obviously we don't know if that won him any games, but... It was an interesting ad. And then eighth place is a tempo. Yep. Got to get that blue red in there somewhere. It surprises me that there's only one or two every week. Yep. Well, I just, like we've talked about, modern is clear proof that in the right shell of cards in terms of the format, Ragavan, Urza Saga, and Murktide are not unbeatable threats. Something in Legacy is making them unbearably broken. <coughs> Ponder. <coughs> Brainstorm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's weird, right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's one of those things when they go, which one of those probably will go. We didn't talk about, you know, we've missed these challenges. Something's probably going to go. One of these new Modern Horizons 2 cards is probably going to go. I think it's worth considering after that or after they all go, maybe some of these cantrips go. I don't know. Anyway, moving on to Sunday. First place was uh, Black Green Sacrifice, the Yawgmoth Sacrifice. Love it. Yeah, it's a pretty cool deck. I've yep. seen it played several times. I've never seen it go off, I don't think. I've been... Go ahead. Well, in fairness, I shouldn't say that because every time it starts to go off, the people I watch on YouTube they concede because yeah. there's no reason to make a guy click through his 30-click combo. Although when I played World Gorger Dragon in Legacy on Moto, everyone made me go through it. Yep, I would. I <laughs> yeah, I never had people... like I've seen people run through entire leagues with the new Aluren combo on MTGO with a server rack, whatever it is, which is like seven clicks for one damage. Mm-hmm. And they'll establish the loop, and the opponent concedes. And it's like, no, the guys I played made me float 40 freaking mana with World Gorger Dragon Animate Dead Loop and find a way to kill them. Yeah. They didn't just trust me that I'm drawing a card and netting four mana a rotation. If there was any money on, line, on the line at all, I'd make you go through it. Yeah, well, they certainly did. And if, you sleep in your, if you're in the practice room, you'd be like, cool, he beat me, whatever. Yeah. I don't have time for this. But yeah, people were more than happy to sit and watch me click. <laughs> So Up entertaining. Next, maybe they place. just love watching that. They're also World Courger fans. Yeah, maybe they're, they were. They Your were, opponents were just like, bowl of popcorn. I love yep. this deck. Watching this guy make 17 <laughs> clicks to get four more mana in his pool. <laughs> Second place, Blue White Control. Third place, Demir Mill. I think it's cool seeing Demir Mill. Yep. Uh, Demir Mill in the top eight. Yeah, and it hasn't it hasn't been around for the past few weeks, so it's, mm -hmm. I'm happy to see it back. Yep. It's a really cool little fun deck that everyone hates playing against. Don't get me wrong. I hate being milled out. But it's one of those decks, like, it's like Madness and Legacy. I hate playing against Madness and Legacy, but I'm happy it exists. That's a cool deck. And it's hard to complain when you're beat to death with Basking Rootwalla. I I mean, I have plenty of fine time complaining about it. Well, sure. But it's just like... You know why, I have a, you know why it's fine with me complaining about it? Because they cast three of them on turn one. Yep. I've had that happen to me twice in Historic. Turn one, Fitless Looting, Rootwalla, Rootwalla. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> why are either of those cards legal in this? Burning Inquiry decks were all the rage in Modern. <sighs> Isn't the one where it's like draw three, discard your hand or something, or draw three, discard three? Yeah, it's well, there's a couple. The big one everyone hated made each player. Yeah, that's the do one. That. Burning, it was like, I think, don't you both draw three and then discard three at random yeah. or something like that? Yep. Yeah. 
So it's kind of, it's you can really host someone if you get lucky, and then if you're, all of your cards have madness, there's no wrong thing to discard. Yeah, or your little artifact guy who costs less for each card you discard. Yep. yep. Pseudo madness. Yeah, what's his name? The, uh, what's his name? I don't remember at the moment. Yeah, he's an artifact, he's a 4-4. Four, four. Yep. But when he's free, he's pretty sweet. Fourth place, Hammer Time. There they are again. Fifth place, Blue White Control. Sixth place, good old Jun showing up. Seventh place, Living End. I believe our only Cascade deck in the top eight this weekend. So that deck is certainly starting to see the hate, it looks like. And we uh, we talked about earlier, Chalice is everywhere. Chalice is like a $60, $70 card right now because it's main deck and everything because it's just the cleanest answer to Living End and uh, Crash Gate, Crashing Footballs. And then eighth place, Jund again. I'm really happy to see that, to be perfect. It's one of those things where, like, you know, if you're checking the metagames every week, mm-hmm. you're, you're looking for stuff where it's like, well, is Modern going to be able to handle this? Yeah. This level of yep. power with and like crashing football. It's clear and... that Cascade is a very answerable problem. Yep. Where just like for the first couple of weeks we were doing this, we were seeing two to four Cascade decks per challenge. Yeah. And now we're down to seeing maybe one. Yep. Because obviously it's going to work sometimes. I mean, I've been hosed by a couple Cascade decks online because the deck's freaking good, but they're not everywhere anymore. Uh-huh. And they're not, they're not even, I mean, this in this on the Sunday challenge, Living End was um our was 12 percent of the meta gotcha so our, our third most played deck T- tied for second i'll say did affinity show up in the top 32 or either saturday or sunday no no affinity at least labeled affinity it, it might there's a one other but affinity would be affinity so unfortunately affinity did not outperform spirits in modern i wonder if that one guy spiked it and everybody's like Ugh. yep to get my stony silence <laughs> especially in legacy but a little bit modern too because we haven't seen any this week we don't see any reanimator decks where yep. How many times do you let Reanimator top eight a challenge for your like fine leyline of the void, uh, rest in peace, everything? I need to stop this from happening. Most common decks. Hammer Time brought six. So between Saturday and Sunday, it was a 21% meta share and an almost 19% meta share on Saturday. People freaking love Colossus Hammer. And I think it's a very powerful deck. And we were talking about it's also a very like it's a it's a relatively flexible deck where you have lots of opportunities to draw your lots of your cards do the same thing. So you have a lot of chances to draw the cards you need. Mm-hmm. And it's just probably because I compared it to your Cascade decks where if you look at Hammer Time as kind of a combo deck, I think Living End is just a better combo deck than Hammer Time. But I think it's also harder to hate out and a little more resilient than yeah. something like Living End. So yeah, it gives them some speed and power for a little bit more consistency. Yep. And it also could be totally possible that if people are loving playing those combo style decks like Living End... And living in starts getting hated out. Maybe some of those players transition back to Hammer Time to avoid some of the stock hate. And then if Hammer Time starts getting hated out, maybe we move back to Cascade. And maybe just people like beating people to death with zero twos. <laughs> that Here, is... take my Ornithopter. Oh, sorry. He's yep. got a giant hammer. It would be a shame if after blockers I cast my hammer and equipped it for free. <laughs> Thanks, Sagarda. <laughs> what a dumb card to cost one. One white. Oh, that card was perfectly fine. That card didn't see any play at all. The problem was again, we put eight power on a one man or on a whatever one mana card. Yeah, it's it's a one mana. The uh, hammer, well, Matt. It costs like ten to equip it. Right. Yeah. You know what? And uh, ca- uh, Cauldra costs seven too. Correct. How many of those you seen hard cast? <laughs> <laughs> you mean Magic players like to break powerful cards? Yeah, it's almost like they need to spend mana to play spells. No, the least amount possible. I want to pay less than is appropriate every time. Second place was Jun with four decks. Kind of makes sense. We saw two of them in the top eight here. And then Living End with 12%. Those tied. Blue-White Control, three decks. And then Mill. Now we're in the twos and ones. Mill, Burn, 
and then our, yeah. our elemental. So Hammer Time was the big winner as far as meta share goes, and realistically, probably in top eight slots too. I mean, we've got three or four in the top eight. Then we got then we got three copies in the top eight. A really well performing deck, blue white control. Borderline did better because I think it had the same amount of decks in the top eight and a much lower meta share. I'm uh, curious. Does it show the prices on those decks? I can pull one up. What would you like to see? Hammer Time. So I'll pull up the Hammer Time deck from Sunday. We had Hammer Time in fourth. This list is about $1,150 paper. And that's just a stock price. Obviously, that can go up yeah. or down. You know, a lot of times, I I know from personal experience, even putting that those cards in TCG right now will probably be different than that. Yeah. I was we'll, just curious. Between $1,000 and $1,300 is probably where it's going to be. If it was kind of the death and taxes effect. This is a Luris list. Death and taxes is overrepresented in the meta because it's a $600 deck yeah. in a format defined by well, it used to be a $6,000 deck. deck. So I was just curious if, like, gotcha. for whatever reason, Hammer Time, because, I mean, it's running cards like Cigar Aid and Ornithopter and stuff like that, mm -hmm. cards that are very powerful but narrow. Yeah. So it's just like, well, is it going to be slightly cheaper? And yep. maybe that's why so many people are playing it. For, for perspective, same website, Yog Moth is about eight seventy five. Gotcha. So it's it's two or two or three hundred dollars more than let's say Yog Moth. Your blue white control list though, just like in Legacy, those are going to be your. This one's fourteen hundred. Yeah, I was going to say those we, are your fourteen to fifteen to sixteen hundred dollar decks. Yeah, it seems like you want to play blue runs between eight hundred and fifteen hundred. You're going to pay for it. Yeah. Well, it's those Force of Negations. It's, uh, yeah. You, Take those off the I top. Think, I think Force Negations are down to like 50 bucks a piece again. They're not at that 80 or 90 still. But yeah, Force Negations, a lot of these, a lot of those are running Four Solitudes. Those are 25 bucks a piece. So that's expensive, man. But the, I got mine. The fetches being reprinted brings those prices down a lot, though. I mean, Missy Rainforest not being $75 a piece. Allowed me to buy mine. Yep. I mean, yay, full set of blue fetches over here. Finally, to finish them. Living the dream. Most played cards in general. Mishra's Bobble. Hey guys, Luris is still a thing. Lightning Bolt. Dragon Rage Channeler. Ragavan. Hey guys, Blue Red's still a thing. <laughs> Renin Six. Esper Sentinel. Ornithopter. Hammer Time's a thing. Sorry. Ornithopter. Pure Steel Paladin. Stoneforge Mystic. And Colossus Hammer. Hammer Time's still a thing. Correct. Top Creatures. Dragon Rage Channeler. Ragavan. Just like in Legacy. Again, the most popular creatures, not necessarily the most popular decks, which is yeah. pretty cool. Or at least the most successful. The decks. most successful decks, yeah, it's true. So uh, people still like playing with these cards, mm -hmm. but it seems like modern is at least better. They're a better fit for modern. Yep, hundred percent. Which I mean, modern horizons too. Good job, guys. Yep. Uh, third place, Esper Sentinel. Love that card. Fourth place, Ornithopter, Pure Steel Paladin, Stoneforge Mystic, Mem Knight, uh, Curator of Mysteries. So there's our, uh, sorry, Curator of Mysteries and Shadow's Agent. There's our Cascade decks, yep. and then Solitude and Ten because it's just. The, the best removal spell in modern, possibly. Top creatures, or sorry, top spells, Bobble, Lightning Bolt, Renin Six, Colossus Hammer, Cigar Aid, Unholy Heat, Force Negation, Teferi, Time Raveler, Prismatic Ending, and Spring Leaf Drum. Honestly, I think modern is starting to narrow down a little bit. We're starting to kind of hone in, and so now it's time to start really counter-programming against the decks you want to beat. We're starting to see our dominant decks pop out. I mean, Boros Burn is incredibly powerful right now, in part because, in my opinion, Blue-White Control is incredibly powerful right now. Your top combo decks are going to be Yawgmoth, Hammer Time, and Cascade Variants. Are those blue-white control decks running Merktide? I imagine they would be, but... So looking at the list on Sunday, uh, the blue-white control list, no Merktide, nothing like that. Its main win con's probably going to be Solitude and maybe even some Planeswalker ultimates, but Kahira in the side, Solitude's our only creature, at least on this particular list, and then tons of control. Some good cantripping with Memory Deluge, 
obviously factor fiction is a great card. Yep. And then factor, I mean, and then dig through time is also a great card, even yep. if you'd pay for seven for it. Yep. They could have made dig through time cost seven, and it probably still would have been an incredibly powerful card. Right. But yeah, we're not even seeing Merc Tide in these lists. They slow the game down, grind to a halt, and then get out. What I've seen usually is to fairy. Uh, Hero of Dominaria, and just completely control the board with that, and counterspell after counterspell after counterspell after counterspell with some board wipes at the end, just in case they can cast an instant speed thanks to Fairy Time Raveler. So wrapping up, that's our modern, that's our legacy. Going into, there's one thing I wanted to cover when it came to worlds that I remembered. I want to give wizards the points they deserve. They made an event where you could play a worlds registered list in a special event for free. That was one of the coolest things they could have done. Like on Arena? Yes. Yeah. So you could have logged into Arena, and you could have played PBDDR's list in a special queue of people playing pro lists that, that were registered. You don't need the wild cards. You don't need to buy anything. You can just do it for free. And that was an incredibly cool thing Wizards yeah, did. Yeah, that's super cool. If you were a huge fanboy or fangirl of one of the world's champion players, you could hop on and play the list for free. Good job, Wizards. 10 out of 10. That's a, that's a, that's a, that was a great decision to make yeah it's kind of like the same thing with the like the god accounts coming up for big events on yep. uh mtgo where it's just like hey you know give us 30 bucks or whatever and for a week you can play whatever you want and that's that's super cool and i think they should make that a regular thing matt and i have a tournament we are going to on sunday i will read the tournament because i want everyone to be aware of it if you're in the area you should go check it out the tournament is being held at post board gaming in findlay ohio it is on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time. Sunday, October 17th, Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Entry fee is $50 with a minimum first place payout of $500 in cash. Obviously, that may go up if more people show up. I wouldn't be too worried about it firing because we're taking three people at least. Facebook has at least 14 going. Obviously, it could be you know kind of wrong, but yeah. the, the event should fire. Um, you could easily walk out $800 cash. Best thing about this, 10 proxies. Yep. I personally I'm in favor of full proxies, but the fact that we're seeing proxy legacy at all coming into payout tournaments. With, yeah, I was gonna say with actual rewards. Yes. Like that's something that if you see that and you care about legacy existing in paper, I think you should try and support it. I have not met anyone yet who is a staunch um aggressor to the let's proxy legacy decks mentality because we just want to play legacy. Yeah. So huge shout out to Postboard <laughs> Gaming for kind of bridging that in this area hosting a nice big legacy tournament. We're going to be going. If you can go, you should. Absolutely. So, Matt, what are you taking to the tournament? I am taking elves. Uh, Why? The biggest reason is it's just what I love to play. A good reason. The Every single tournament I've gone to, for just in general, but within with legacy in particular, I go there primarily because I like playing magic. And I would rather lose with a deck I enjoy than win with one I don't like. Don't get me wrong. Winning 500 bucks is cool. That's not why I'm going. I'm going because I get to hang out with my friends and play Legacy. Mm -hmm. When I play Legacy, I play Elves. Yep. So I also, coincidentally, don't think it's that bad in the current metagame. Um, it traditionally preys on Delver. Yep. So and D and T, which and D, &T D and T is a wonderful is in a wonderful especially spot. Especially in paper, it's nice to have. You know, there's a lot of people who like Legacy but don't have six grand to drop on a new deck. Exactly. So they're like, well, I'll play Death and Taxes. It has a lot of you know cards that go in other decks and whatnot. D&T is very commonly your like highest meta share in paper tournaments, especially smaller ones. Yep, and it's I don't want to sound too cocky here, but D&T for the most part is almost a buy for elves. Yep, like they just try to attack their opponent on an axis that I just don't care about. Mm -hmm. So game one is 
unless I just mulligan, like just have to mulligan down to four or five. It's just, it's just easy. Yep. So, and you're running a relatively stock elves yeah, list right now. My, uh, the only thing that's not stock is I can, I am a firm advocate of the 61 card elf deck. Uh, I like having that additional sideboard slot. Basically, I get to play with 61 cards or 16 cards in my sideboard, and you guys don't. Mm -hmm. So, I'm a big fan of that. I yep. think the and deck small, like yours. the tiny hit in consistency is totally worth worth it for the top end power game. Yeah. So, well, it's those. It's a, a silver bullet here or there. Right. That yeah. It's it's you, not like I'm running 61 cards to get a third Birchlord Ranger. Yeah. You throw getting, in like scavenging ooze, exactly. Collector oaf. You you have like a chance that. to play towards an out in a rough situation, even in game one. Yes, and you know sometimes winning game one is the deciding factor in the match. Absolutely, I'm playing elves. It's the deck I'm the most experienced with. I'm a, going the Bryant Cook route. Correct. You are a master of elves. Yep. At least compared to anything else. Yeah. So play what you're a master. And of. I would say, again, I'm not trying to be you know airy. I'm pretty good with elves. I've mm -hmm. been playing an elf type variant deck. Since I was in middle school. Gotcha. We used to play with Gaia's Cradles unsleeved on the lunch table. They were only 20 bucks back then. Now, granted, we only had one or two among the six of us. <laughs> but, like, this is this is the deck I play, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty good with it. So I'm going to go with what I'm comfortable with, what I know in and out. I know the matchups pretty well. I know the cards that are important, which yep. is one of the, the, the hidden secret skill in Legacy is knowing what cards matter and what matchups. Yeah. Like, everyone can tell you, like, what card... Like, yeah, it sucks when you get Terminus as elves. Yeah, but Terminus isn't necessarily the, the most important cards in those matchups. Like, mm -hmm. seeing early Swords to Plowshares, I would rather see that than, or I'd rather see Terminus than that. Like, if I can, if they don't answer my turn one, I can almost always win. Yep. But, you know, if you're going to go, oh, you know, well, they're going to Terminus, Terminus you on turn four. Okay, I'm going to try oh to kill gosh. them before then. Yeah, like an elf's player is going to give you until turn four, right. ideally. Unless you have something like that. Yeah, and you need some real just interaction. Just little stuff like that. So Terminus is another great example where, like, the way elves attacks blue control decks typically is through discard. So I'm going to be thought seizing mm -hmm. stuff away. You well, can't thought seize away a miracle card sitting on top of somebody's deck. Well, like we just saw, though. We just pulled up a... It was a stock miracles list on the Legacy yeah, Sunday Challenge. control decks don't run miracles much. It had one. Yep. I don't think you even had any side. So, so I, are you really that worried about trying? I mean, sometimes your strategy in a tournament is to dodge the bad cards. Yep. I guess one of the downsides is, and I mean, this kind of demonstrates my point a little bit. Control lists, white can white blue control lists, have pivoted away from terminus and just loaded up on single target removal. Mm -hmm. Now that is something I'm worried about. Yep. Having four the swords and anywhere between two and four prismatic endings is brutal you've almost got it backwards usually you see four ending and maybe three swords yeah. but yeah you're right anywhere now, in between we're we're genuinely running six to eight stock main board targeted removal spells and that, and that is a big hit for you yes because the fact of the matter is like elves needs to win the game soon in most of its matchups mm -hmm. like before Uro, you could kind of grind out control decks. Uro makes it a lot more difficult because yeah. they're they're they can keep up with you. you you're know also what I mean? you're a critical mass deck, yeah. And just having a thing removed every turn prevents critical mass. That matters, but again, in this particular matchup, game two, games two and three, typically you get into these weird like I'm gonna kill you with a Quarian Ranger and a Nettle Sentinel kind mm -hmm. of things. Because they inevitably do have some, and you just can't plan on comboing off super soon. Yep. So you just have to lean into the, I'm going to beat you to death with one ones or two twos. Yep. And that becomes a lot harder because what your typical game plan is to force them 
Like the way you deal with board wipes is put them in a position where they have to answer it without committing any more to the board. Mm -hmm. So you're going to go, I'm going to put three to five power on the board. And this is assuming I can't combo off, right? Yep. So I'm going to put three to five power on the board and force them to terminus. And yep. then once they've terminus, I'm going to dump my hand again and kill them with that. Hopefully. That's a lot more difficult to do when they have eight single target removal spots yeah. in their deck. <laughs> yeah. Because you just can't get anything to stick. So, yep. so it, I mean, it, it might be a tough day for you. Yep. You've navigated tough metas before. Yep. And maybe they'll get lucky. Maybe they'll get lucky. Yep. So, so we'll see what happens. I'm To be perfectly honest, I'm not terribly concerned about it. I'm going to tweak my sideboard a little bit to deal with some of the Modern Horizon cards mm -hmm. and go there and try to hoof people to death. Yep. So I usually play Jeskai Control. And when I say Jeskai Control, I usually play Blue-White Control with splashing one Volcanic for Red Blast. Yeah. Um, for this tournament, since we have the chance to play 10 proxies, I like to experiment a little more, which is going to definitely hit me for points in the terms of knowing my deck perfectly. But I wanted to play uh, Jeskai Ragavan. Actually, I was I, I pulled up a, a kind of a stock list of Jeskai Ragavan standstill. I pulled the cards I had, pulled some, I brought some of Matt's cards, uh, made some photocopies of some cards, and we showed up. And it was the first time I'd played these cards particularly because I didn't buy these cards uh, in paper or online. And I'm not going to because I'm pretty sure something's going to get banned. And they're all very expensive. They're all Even online, they're very expensive. I can't afford to rent them online. So I haven't played them a ton. I've, I've seen them be played a lot. I consume a lot of magic. It is not the same as doing it, but it's close. So we played. We played three or four matches, and I immediately changed the deck a bunch. Pulled the Stifles out, pulled the Ragavans out, maxed out on DRC, maxed out on Merktide. I think I'm going to put some Bobbles in. Like, I immediately took out, like, six cards, and I changed into, like, seven or eight new cards. Because after playing with Ragavan, that card is crazy good sometimes, but, like, in my opinion, DRC and Merktide are ridiculous. Where we were sitting here a couple weeks ago talking about, what needs to be banned? What's too good? After holding them in my hand and playing them and top decking, dude, Merktide might need to go... DRC probably needs to go. Yeah. Merktide's stupid. I made those changes, and I'm basically now running... I'm running a Ragavan-less Ragavan deck. We've got... Uh, the the key... The backbone of the deck is the four DRC, the four Merktide, and then the Blue Soup Cantrip Cartel with the best white removal. Yep. And that's my plan to win is... And Urza Saga. Oh, yes. And, of course, Urza Saga, because worst case scenario, just make a couple 4-4s, four go get a Soul Guide Lantern, nuke your graveyard if I have to, and start swinging. Yeah. I'm debating putting in, I'm still, you know, maybe make some changes. I'm debating putting an expedition map and make that one of my fetchable targets to just go get another Urza Saga. Yep. And just make more. That's not a bad call. I know. I, I, I agree. We've also talked about, so I run Soul Guide Lantern to nuke my opponent's graveyard if needed. I thought about putting in Relic of Progenitist so that I could, if need be at instant speed, nuke my own graveyard to pump my Mark Tide from like an 8 to a 12 and maybe since I, a game in. I'm 100%. Yeah. behind that change. The, the downside to that though is is it hits your DRCs. There, There is, and, and if that Merktide gets removed, you're much farther than casting the next oh, yeah. one. So it's definitely a risky thing, but it could be like a, like a fun of little personal strat to just, you know, sneak in or just sneak in extra damage. We're like, I'm going to attack with my 7-7. Seven, seven. Okay, I'm going to exile. I'm going to target me and exile one card on my graveyard make an 8-8. Eight, eight. Yep. So that's the thing with me is like when we're we always talk about that consistency power thing uh -huh. that play back and forth yeah the I, relic is way more powerful i love being on the power end of it oh my gosh and, yeah because like i'm gonna have to get lucky to win this tournament anyways right yep. so i might as well try to get lucky, lucky. so when i draw yeah. the card it's gonna win me the game and not just put me ahead yep. and that's i mean that's fundamentally what elves is about mm -hmm. is just I'm going to play top deck mode and I'm going to out top deck you and I'm going to kill you. Yep. And I think Relic is a much better like top deck. I'm going to quote 
Phil Gallagher from Eternal Glory Podcast. Uh, at, this is one of the first time I've played. I've played Blue Red Delver a little bit. This is one of the first time I've played this particular shell. Murktide makes this deck so much easier than it should be. Yep. Murktide makes the deck just easy wins. We were playing. I don't think any time I resolved Murktide, you didn't lose. Yeah. And there were times where you flickered it. I mean, I, we played against many decks, but you flickered it. You removed it. Whatever. But just mid to late game, smashing a seven seven or eight eight with with evasion. It's just such a. It was quick brutal. Clock. Because yeah. by then, well, the thing is, by then you've chipped away at my life total anyway. Oh yeah, DRC's so most of the been time doing it's work. just slam Murktide, hit me twice, and yep. the game's it's over. It's almost always a two-turn clock. Yes. Whereas Delver, a top deck Delver, was a four-turn clock. A top deck Gurmag Angler and, was a three-turn clock. And Delver, in particular, is a lot easier to deal with. Gurmag yeah. Angler is on the ground, so he's a lot easier to block. Yeah. So the, the card's ridiculous, which is why I. The again, funny thing is, I just thought about this. Murktide Regent is literally a Gurmag Angler, had sex with a Delver, and they just, instead of getting the best of both, you just got both. You just got it's both. It's an 8-8 yep. flying for one or yep. two. Or two. It does cost one more, sir. One for Delver, one for Gurmag Angler. Yeah. <laughs> give it flying, give it eight power. Yeah, the, the, the thing is ridiculous. Like, I immediately, I started with two, immediately bumped to four. I want to cast as many Murktides as I possibly can. Yep. And that's, that's why I was asking about those modern lists. Mm -hmm. is i mean maybe this has been tried and i just don't know about it the if i was going to approach modern from a the hyper competitive state i'd be looking at how i can utilize the most modern horizons two cards now obviously there's plenty of decks that don't utilize any and that's fine mm -hmm. but like if i want to like murktide regent is probably one of the more ridiculous creatures i've seen in a long time yeah yeah, the thing's the thing's bonkers. Like after, again, after playing with it, that card is bonkers. I wasn't in terribly like high favor of the Murktide ban. I wanted to hit the 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 cheaper enablers. In my opinion, DRC is a great enabler. Um, Ragavan is kind of an enabler because it ramps you on mana. Murktide is good. That card is. If you haven't played with Murktide, even if you've seen it be played, you don't know what it feels like to get into a top deck war with your opponent and be like, draw a card for turn. Uh, island, island, eight, eight. Your turn. Hope you draw swords. Yeah. You didn't. Dead. Correct. I was gonna go through. I was gonna have us go through our sideboards, but we're running a little long on time. So honestly, we're both running relatively stock sideboards. We've got some rough, some minor tuning here and there that we kind of tuned to flavor. Yeah. You know, you run an elf's list, and your list is a lot more stock and solid. I kind of flavorfully build sideboards on what I don't want to lose to. Yep. But that's you know, kind of what I always say is like, there you're gonna have bad matchups in any yep. meta game, any format. So pick what you don't want to lose to and shore up your matchups. Yep. You know, it, the best way to build a sideboard, in my opinion, if you can't play a bunch or you're not super familiar with the meta and with the format, hop on MTG Top 8 or MTG Goldfish. Look at those decks with the highest percentage points of share. Factor in price a little bit. If you're going to play a paper event, I don't think anyone's going to be playing lands. Although they might. Tabernacle is one of their 10 proxies. Usually you can't say no one's going to be playing lands. But probably one person is. But I usually guess. there's one or two because it's so, it's just yep. In 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 the lane of that argument, I always pack elves hate. Yep. Even though elves is a relatively rare deck because guys cradle is so expensive, I almost always pack elves hate. And I think every tournament I've gone to, whether Matt was there or not, there was at least one other elf player. Yep. So you know your sideboard is going to be kind of personal, but you can totally find sideboards all over the internet. Don't be afraid to look at a couple, mush them together, you know, pull cards in, take cards out, but. Your sideboard is going to be kind of personalized, in my opinion. Yeah, and the this is something we've talked about multiple times as well. You should be able to pick a card at random from your sideboard, and you should be able to tell me why it's in there. Yep. Like, don't just look at Bryant Cook's sideboard yeah. and just copy it, because he knows why those cards are in mm -hmm. there. 
and he can play them to great effect. So that's a wonderful segue into what I do want to wrap our episode up with today, which is uh, I want to, we'll each give one tip or trick that we recommend to someone to go to an event. Obviously, we haven't played hundreds of events each, but we both have played events. We've both prepped, planned, driven to, and yeah. performed in events. Over the past 20 years, I've played quite a few. Gotcha. I have only played yeah. four or five. Yep, we started going to events back in like my sophomore or June. Basically, as gotcha. soon as one of us got their driver's license, we started driving to South Bend. <laughs> so I, I, I'll go first because yep. you, you segued into me. My recommendation if you're going to an event is build a sideboard plan. And I don't mean in your head. I mean type or write down a sideboard plan. Go to MTG Top 8 or MTG Goldfish, run through the top one or two decks in each archetype, maybe three decks, and look at your deck and look at your sideboard cards and do an in and out sideboard plan, type it out and print it out. You are allowed, I can't, I don't know what the rule is, but you are allowed, according to the rules, to have handwritten or printed notes to reference between matches. That is 100% true. I've asked several judges and you can totally go, game is over, I've lost, pull my piece of paper out and go, I'm playing against Delver. Now, I already spent half an hour at home thinking about the Delver matchup, and I'm going to take out two Force of Will, one Ponder, and one Prismatic Ending, and I'm going to put these four sideboard slots in and just make those changes right away. Yep. Now, obviously, that list can change if you see someone playing a non-standard Delver list or you play against a deck you're not aware of or is new, but that's going to save a lot of brain power and thinking in the heat of a match where maybe you're frustrated you just won. Maybe you're riding a high, or sorry, maybe you're frustrated you lost, or you're riding a high because you just won and you pulled it out. I mean, I think over these long tournaments, we, we might play Magic on Sunday for eight hours. Yep. Reducing excess brain use is a good idea. 100%. And so take time before the tournament, look at your deck, look at your sideboard, and make a plan for the most common decks. Yep. And on top of that... Like you could make that list and not even take it and gain so much 100%. from hundred percent. Like the act of making that list helps you internalize what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. You're like, why am I bringing in these cards against Storm? Why exactly. am I bringing these cards? And then the thing is, you might change as you think about these things. Mm -hmm. And then once you have a list, like you said, it 100% saves you a little bit of effort when you're just like, oh shit, I'm playing against Bryant Cook and Storm. I'm going to need every ounce of neurons I yeah. got. <laughs> so like, <laughs> Yeah, I've got to have every bit of brain power right. to beat uh, this complicated I deck. hope. Part of me hopes somebody is like, somebody like Bryant Cook is there. I know they won't be, but that'd be mean, like, super cool to see somebody there. Because it is, I mean, it is a 2K. That's kind of one of our dreams. I mean, I just want my, like to bump in. We we follow a lot of these um, personalities and magic. It would be amazing to just to bump into one of them. Oh, yeah, I was in Ohio for the weekend. Thought I'd come play some Legacy. Yeah, I would love to get curb stomped by Brian Cook. <laughs> oh, it'd be a story you guys would be hearing about. Yep. So that, that's my yep. like little tip if you're going to an event, even a Friday Night Magic. You are you should have a established well, sideboard plan. Friday Night to these yeah. Friday Night Magics prepping. And yeah. that's what you do. Well, so your Friday Night Magic could be, you know, maybe you maybe you make some changes your deck right before, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you should have a sideboard plan. I, and I think it should be on paper, at least in some capacity. Create good habits. Yes. Matt, what would, what would you say is one of your top recommendations to someone going to a tournament? So mine don't necessarily have to do with the decks themselves or the cards. Mine is more of a personal thing. You need to, A, sleep a lot. Sleep as much as you can the night before. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're anything like me, if you have big plans for the next day, you might have trouble sleeping. I usually, my brain just won't shut up at 11 o'clock at night. B, play test as much as you can. A lot of the stuff is practice, but like play test as much as you can. That's kind of a duh. But like take care of yourself, get sleep, eat a good breakfast, give yourself a little bit of like I usually uh, have like an energy drink or something. So I'm like wide awake playing. You're going to be sore. Take some Tylenol or something like 
just take care of yourself because you don't want to lose because you're worn out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will show up to tournaments and go 0-3 in league or 0-2 in league. If they do that consistently, they don't know what it's like to play Magic for 10 hours straight mm-hmm. where you show up at noon and you're playing your finals at 10 o'clock mm-hmm. and your opponent's in the same boat. But here's the deal. If you're both tired, cool, you're on equal footing. If you've taken care of yourself and your opponent hasn't, you are much more likely to win that game. Mm-hmm. Any single mistake can cost you a game or a Easily. match or the whole tournament. And that could be as simple as just, oh, I forgot to attack that turn with Aquarian Ranger once. I, we had set, we, we, we had some practice playing before. We did that like four hours of grinding. One of the first times we played Paper Magic in a long time. We had like four misplays yeah, in, just, in, in two rounds of yep. just tapping the wrong mana, tapping out of colors. I literally, um, I couldn't, uh, <laughs> I had played Dress Down. And I couldn't swords to plowshare your progenitus that you just put into play because I didn't tap my Urza Saga. Yep. And neither one of us thought about the, that interaction. Yeah. So, like, I had played around. Uh, I'd used Natural Order to get a card. I knew he had Dress Down from, for whatever reason. I, for, I, I think I hit you with a Thought Seize and saw you had a Dress Down. Uh, so I knew he was going to Dress Down in response to my Crater Hoof. Yep. So... He, I knew he hadn't left open a white. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm clear on progenitus, but like I also hadn't thought about that play. Yeah. That like, progenitus is now swordsable. Yes, correct. So he can, you know, I natural order, he responds with dress down to counter my yep. greater hoof. Well, that also gets yeah. rid of the protection from everything on yeah. progenitus. And he case can now point. answer my Obviously, progenitus. our mistakes cancel each other out. Yeah. I lost because I tapped the wrong mana, cut and dry. You would have lost because you didn't realize how dress down works. Yep. And those simple two second mistakes. Well, I, I know how dress. I just did. It didn't even occur to me. Yep. I was just like, because progenitus is just protection from everything. Yep. So because you know, well, when you think about like I've had this happen before, people try to stifle the ETB or whatever, and like when you think about that kind of stuff, like your brain kind of just does shortcuts where it's just like, yep. oh well, I mean, it turns crater hoof into five five. Why does that matter? Mm-hmm. You, and then you just don't think about the one-off instance where progenitus its shields actually are down yeah as it get some sleep either one of those could have cost us our top eight spot correct so be prepared be ready watch your small stuff eat sleep caffeinate that would be in three (laughs) words there you go what i would suggest so build a sideboard plan eat sleep caffeinate and you'll be ready to win your or you'll be ready to top eight that's my tips gotcha Matt, was there anything else you want to talk about this week before we wrap our episode up? No, nothing in particular. All right. Well, we are Cantrip Cartel. We are proud members of the Planeswalkers Podcasting Network. I highly recommend anyone who wants to hear anything about Standard or Commander, especially a World's Recap, hit up their podcast. They record on Mondays and usually post it on Wednesdays where they also will be live streaming their Commander Craft. If you want to reach out to us, hit us up at cantripcartel at gmail.com or feel free to drop into our Facebook group at Cantrip Cartel. We also have a Discord page on the Plain Soccer's Podcast Discord. We would love to see you there. We have a relatively active community. We chit-chat all the time about deck choices and episodes and whatnot. Matt, am I forgetting anything? No, I think we've got it all. All right. Well, in that case, I think we're going to wrap this up and we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. Oh, in response to your fetch, stifle.